0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: before we get started with this episode of bench with Bubba a couple things I'd like to mention first draft Draft draft.com draft in your app store great way to play daily fantasy sports not like the rest snake style drafts you don't have to worry about ownership because you're the only one that owns them they have three man, six man, ten man, all different size drafts. It is awesome. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, uh, not hockey yet. They will have hockey um, and golf. So tons of great stuff going on there. They've also instituted auction drafts. They have different types of drafts where you can take out the top players. So it kind of makes it a, a more of a skill set than just saying screw it. I'm taking the top guys. And they've also, the thing that makes drafts so great is their best ball drafts. They did some basketball. They've done some baseball. It all started with football. And they're back at it again for this upcoming NFL season. It is rocking. It is rolling. Best ball drafts over at Draft.com. They have a $25 entry best ball draft. Winner gets a million dollars. That cool. That great. If you want to try out Draft, just for fun, want to try it out, and you go to Draft.com or Draft in your app store, use promo code SDSports. SD Sports. SD is in dog sports. It'll get you a free $3 entry into any tournament of your choice. Snake style auction, best ball, any of them. Gets you one $3 entry into a tournament of your choice using promo code SDSports when you make your first deposit. So go check it out, draft.com, draft in your app store. Also, if you're looking forward to doing best ball drafts, if you like playing daily fantasy sports, football, basketball, baseball, the quantedge.com has what you need. there. Are, I'm a contributor over there on the baseball product. I'm in the member Discord a lot. I help with a batter breakdown. Six days a week, my podcast MLB DFS Quick Hits is on there and Fantasy Sports DJs on both platforms. Lots of great stuff at thecoantes.com. And if you want to join for the rest of the baseball season, the price is lowered to $84.99. And if you use promo code Bubba, $10 off, $74.99. Just what you want to do there. If you just want to try out the packages, you can get the all sports for your first month of $19.99, promo code Bubba. And they have tons of best ball stuff if you're getting ready for that. Elliot just dropped a massive Best ball guide over there. There's much more going on. So go check that out. Or a five-day free trial for five dollars. The quantedge.com, promo code Bubba, it'll get you what you need. Last but not least, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would help me out a ton. Every rating and review helps the podcast move up the rankings and it would mean a ton to me. It only takes a few minutes out of your time and would really, really mean a lot. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba episode 177 with Anthony Franco of Prospects Live recapping the 2019 MLB draft. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 177. Got a special guest with us tonight as the MLB draft is wrapping up, and we got the uh, first round was a couple nights ago. We're going to talk about it from a fantasy perspective, and to do so, got a member of Prospects Live. The guys is are crushing it over there. You can find him on Twitter at AFFranco10. Anthony Franco, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be on here. I appreciate you having me on, so looking forward to... Talking about the draft, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always fun because you know it's not like other sports as you obviously know, like basketball and football, where it's high. You know, everyone knows everything So you watch them in college and everything. And exposure is better now than it used to be, as you can probably admit. Like it's it's way way more exposed than in the past. And, and MLB Network's trying to kind of bring the draft to you, but it's still not the same. What are your? Let's just have fun with this for a minute. What's your thoughts on kind of how they they do the draft for a guy that does pay attention to college and watches these these guys? What's your what's your thoughts on how they kind of let them enjoy the draft or, or televise the draft? Um yeah, so I'm definitely a fan of them bringing
2: in, you know, as many prospects as they can um into the studio and everything. Uh as for the coverage itself, you know, I, I do wish that they would go to uh you know, the draft a little bit more. Um a lot of the the sort of former player breakdowns come up as maybe a little bit um yeah cliche to me a little bit over the top with some of their comparisons um but like carlos colazzo at baseball america they have on there and uh, he really knows his stuff i wish that they would cut to him a little bit more um but you know i can't complain it's it's uh i'm glad that they're promoting it in a way that they weren't even just uh you know five or ten years ago so
1: yeah it used to be nothing and then it was just kind of a little bit of the first round they're trying to give it a at least a little more of a taste. I like think we get what the first three rounds, the first night, or something, first two rounds plus compensation or something like that. And so they're trying to promote it more. And like you said, they're bringing in more names. Like you know, you got the Calluses of the world, and, and you mentioned um, I forgot his name now from from Baseball America. And they do bring a whole other aspect because anytime we can get Harold Reynolds off the screen is a good thing. So um,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to say it straight out, but
1: uh, oh no, this is this, this, is, a ju- around this around is a, ju- ju- a this. This is a judge-free zone. You can have at it here. It's okay. Um, I have another podcast, a baseball podcast with uh, my buddy Mo, and we, we bury Harold Reynolds quite a bit because it's just – I like everybody having their own opinion. I'm all for it. But when some opinions get taken a little too far, like you least need to be called out a little bit on that. So um, no problem with that at all. Before we get into the draft coverage, we're going to talk about some MLB news real quick. There's some, some actually big news kind of dropped today, a couple that we won't even hit on but just happened recently, something to keep an eye on for – All the listeners out there, Robinson Cano, you know, he wasn't not hustling to first base again tonight on double play ball. He re-aggravated his quad injury. So came back a little early. He's getting old, not recovering the same way. So keep an eye on that. A good chance he might miss a few days or go back to the IL, meaning that Edenia Faria is a little more worthwhile. The other one, And if you got any thoughts on this, more uh, I'm all here for it. But uh, we don't know the exact numbers on all this. It's still kind of getting hashed out. But it looks like Craig Kimbrell, it's official, is going to get a multi-year deal with the Cubs at around $45 million. Uh, for people who have had Pedro Strope, you're pretty much done. But do you have any uh, any thoughts on Craig Kimbrell going to the Cubbies? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be
2: interesting, for sure. I'm not really sure what to expect, because I don't think we've ever seen um, players sit out this long, you know, pitchers at least. I know there was the, the Stephen Drew, Kendrys Morales a couple years ago, but um, and then try to ramp back up midseason the way that Kimbrel and Keichel are going to. So uh, he was still pretty good as of last year. You know he's obviously a must add in fantasy if he's not already owned, um, just sort of speculatively. Um, because I imagine that the ninth inning will be his. You know after about a week or so in the minor leagues to to tune up. But it'll be interesting to see if the layoff has any um,
1: any lasting effect. I do think Passen actually had it at forty three million. So, okay, 43 okay. good cuz yeah, what I was reading, they weren't 100% sure yet on what was going down there, but they're guessing it's about a 3-year deal in that ballpark. So that'll be a he kind of got what he wanted in the end. He wanted a little more, but you know, missing half a season, he still got a pretty decent payday. Will uh, be yeah, set did. up for a while. So. Yeah, I was surprised but, that that uh, that
2: he was able to pull that much at this late,
1: but good Yeah, for him. I'm I'm with you. I thought it was going to be I thought it was be for the rest of the season. He had to go test the market again, but uh it worked out rather well for him, and the Cubs will be happy to not play closer roulette as they have of late in uh, in Wrigley Field. A couple more. This one kind of stands out. We really have no idea how to attack it. But uh, Carlos Carrasco went on the IL today. He's got a blood condition. He said it's been kind of hampering him for a while. It's been making him lethargic, and you know, sure, his his results on the mound haven't been great. It could definitely be associated with this. We have no idea, but there's no timetable. This could be a rest of season thing, it could be a couple week thing. He's leaving the team, he's going to go take care of it. Um any thoughts on this cuz it is pretty pretty damning if you're a carlo Carrasco owner in fantasy.
2: Yeah, I don't even want to speculate as to like when I think he would be back. I know the press release uh left room uh for him to come back this season, but um just more so for the guy himself, you know, he's had some heart issues a couple of years ago too. It's really sad to see that he's no, I'm struggling with his stuff, so hopefully uh, he's back in a month or so,
1: but I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's one of those because all we know is blood condition. We don't even know what it is. We have no clue, and I don't say Holly and Expresses. I'm not a doctor, so I can't help with any of that, but uh, yeah, it's not good. Hopefully, as, for his health, things get fixed for him rather quickly, and he's good to go, but that's kind of a scary deal when you get blood conditions like that. Uh, a couple other ones here. Andrew McCutcheon went down a couple days ago. is out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, they did just trade for Jay Bruce. They traded for Bruce before the injury, pretty much to kind of take Odubel Herrera's spot. Uh, Scott Kingery's been getting some run in the outfield. They called up uh, Adam Hazley. I kind of wanted to ask you about that because Jay Bruce is crushing, and people know you can add Jay Bruce. But uh, as a guy that does prospects, Adam Hazley was a, as a top draft pick a few years back. And he's had a decent year this year. What's your uh, take on him? What have you seen or heard about Adam Hazley?
2: Yes, yeah, so I haven't seen Hazley this year. Um, he was sorry, He was a top-ten pick, like you said, uh, out of Virginia a couple years ago. A guy who um, was just more sort of average-ish tools kind of everywhere. He could hit. He had really high-level performance in the ACC. Uh, but there was nothing that he did that really jumped off the page. And I think that's kind of borne out in his minor league numbers, which have always been – Good, but not otherworldly. It's just, you know, he doesn't strike out much, but he doesn't walk. He doesn't steal bases. He doesn't hit for power. It's just he hits a lot of singles and plays center field. Um, you know, I imagine that he'll, um, you know, stick in the majors. I don't think that there's any reason to expect that he's going to be sent back down anytime soon. But I think it was Keith Law uh, a couple of weeks ago was asked a question about him and basically said that Hazley kind of looks the same as he always has. Um, and just sort of looking at his numbers, you know, he's pulling the ball a little bit more, so maybe that was uh, indicative of some sort of process change. But generally speaking, it looks pretty much, you know, the numbers look pretty much like uh, like they always have. So I think he's more of a, a real-life asset than a fantasy guy because there's not a ton of power, there's not a ton of stolen base um, upside, even though he can run a little bit, but he's never been a base dealer in the minor league. So I think, you know, for Phillies fans... You know, if he's an average ish regular, like that's a good guy to have um, to replace Herrera, um, you know, as they're trying to push for for the division. But he's not necessarily a must add for me, you know, in all fantasy formats or anything like that.
1: That's good to hear because I usually kind of keep up between reading your guys' work and some other work about prospects. Like I have a rough idea on who's who. When this call got made, I had no clue. Like I (laughs) I had nothing on him. People were like, DMing me asking me questions I'm like I have nothing guys go to the experts on this I can't help you here no no idea so <laughs> good good to hear because you know everyone all they saw was what was it like a couple of games maybe a week in AAA where he hit like three or four hundred something like that and they were all raving about him and uh I kind of yeah, had to sit back and gonna... <laughs> I, yeah I, I had to sit back and go you know he was a top pick and he kind of went off the map for a reason so let's like sit back and, and check it out for a second. Um, Buster Posey goes to the IL with a right hamstring strain. Nothing too much here. He's kind of had an up and down season. Nothing flashy. They're going to take it slow. They have no reason to rush him back. The biggest thing I like, and you can comment on it if you like, is Aramis Garcia He got to start tonight. Hopefully, get some more playing time. I thought he should have been the backup catcher from day one this year. I don't know what they had to lose. I, I saw him in San Jose a few years back. I like his pedigree, but maybe I'm just kind of a, a homer here. Do you have any thoughts on Aramis Garcia, or is he kind of just a uh, Guy in the distance for you? Uh,
2: Yeah, more the latter. I mean, it's I think there's some power there, but he's already 26. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not expecting any sort of uh, sort of breakout. But you know, as as far as backup catchers go, uh, especially you know from a fantasy perspective, because he's more of a bat first guy, uh, he's okay. um, But it's not again not a guy that I'd be rushing to add. I think he's more you know one of those streaming catchers where it's like a, a Sunday and you're looking for somebody to to play because all the catchers are getting
1: the day off. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that I think he is. Cool. Um, all right. Uh, the Padres, they put Matt Strom on the IL with a rib strain, which is kind of scary from a pitcher. who uses the middle of his body quite a bit on the mound. He's been okay this year, but uh, the big thing is it gives Cal Quantrill another chance to get recalled. Uh, first off, two things, Matt Strom, people were kind of high on him. You kind of, you're in the corner or you weren't in the corner. What were your thoughts on Matt Strom this year? Because, you know, he had some really good outings and some really rough outings.
2: Yeah, I came in as a Strom optimist, um, you know, after he was pretty good in the bullpen last year. Um, you know, I'm I'm still, I still like him long-term. You know, I'm encouraged by the, the low walk rate. Uh, but obviously the velocity isn't what it was out of the bullpen. And so the strikeout numbers haven't been, you know, otherworldly. And so he's okay. You know, I think he's... Definitely a guy that I would stash if I had an IL spot. I'm not giving up on him or anything. I think it was just like a minor rib strain. So I I imagine he'll be back
1: in short order. And then the second part is Cal Quantrill, you know, drafted just recently, ran through the minors. You know, he was was already kind of ahead of the game, but he had the the arm injury that kind of set him back when he was getting drafted. Um, Like I said, ran through the minors. He's been up and down this year, kind of getting yo-yoed back and forth. The pedigree is good. The results haven't been great this year. He might get a little bit more of an extended run this go-around. What's your take on Cal Quantrill?
2: Yeah, I see Quantrill as kind of a streamer. Um, I like the change-up. Um, like you said, he had huge pedigree uh, coming out of Stanford, and then the minor league numbers were never really there, and he kind of fell off the, the radar a little bit um, and then has sort of picked it back up this year. Um, you know, a few more strikeouts in AAA. I think he's, he's interesting. He's definitely a guy that, you know, if you're talking about in Peco, maybe against you know that offense like the Giants or you know Colorado on the road. Um, he's definitely a guy that I would be willing to stream, but he's not he's a matchup play for me. I wouldn't you know play him against the Dodgers or anything.
1: All right. Uh, one last piece of news here, the Houston Astros they have option Corbin Martin down to to AAA. First off, we'll start with that. you know, everyone was pumped when he came up. Great debut. Really rocky after that I don't think he made it through four innings, any, any other start throughout the entire run it, like say you're a Corbin Martin owner because people had to go crazy and fab recently. would you hold on to him or you just go, you know what I lost on this one I'm sending him back to the the waiver wire and I'm gonna move on because this might not just be the year for Corbin martin no, I think you've got to hold um you know the stuff
2: is just outrageous and I know the, the command is never going to be fantastic, but I think he'll he'll be back uh shortly enough. And you know, especially with the Astros, they managed to get the most out of, it seems like every one of their pitchers. So he's a hold for me if you got bench space.
1: And on the flip side in this move, Framber Valdez gets the call to the rotation. We've seen him in years past get some starts. Mixed reactions, but overall's been usable. He's been okay. Uh what's your take on a uh, Framber Valdez?
2: He's a reliever for me. I, I just—it's tough for me to buy into uh, a guy with, like, really only two pitches and below-average command as a, as a long-term starter. So, um, you know, I'm happy to see that he's getting another chance, but I, I would be surprised if he holds that spot long-term. He's not even been all that good out of the bullpen this year. So,
1: okay. We will check and see how that goes. And let's get to the fun part here. We got through the, the meat and potatoes, the injuries, all that good stuff. Let's get to the MLB draft. Um, what is it that you – like? what are your thoughts, I guess, on where we're at in this draft? Like, as a draft class as a whole, when in terms of fantasy, you know, last year there was a lot of love, especially for early picks. People were pretty pumped on a lot of those guys. So, first-year player drafts were a lot of fun. What do you th- – thinking, just looking at this, you know, it's still pretty fresh to everybody, but what's your thoughts on this draft class? Uh, It's not that great, um, especially because it's
2: skewed. You know, the college pitching was down this year. um, And so there's a couple like really, really high end names uh, that we'll get to on the college position player side. We're going to move pretty quickly. um, And, you know, some high school bats that are definitely worth monitoring. So it's not, it's not a horrible draft. But if you're looking for somebody to, like, impact your team in 2020 or something like that, unless you get an Andrew Vaughn, um, who we'll we'll talk about, you know, you're not going to, I don't think there's, like, a quick-moving ace in the way that there was, sort of, with Casey Mize last year.
1: Uh, That guy's just not in this class. Okay. Let's go through the draft, and we'll kind of hit, we'll we'll hit on a lot of the early picks and then kind of get your takes on maybe some farther ones down that some of us, most of us won't know about, but... Adley Rushman went number one to the Baltimore Orioles catcher out of Oregon state. His numbers are ridiculous. You know, depends on who you talk to. Some prospect guys just want nothing to do with catchers in, in, in like dynasty leagues. Other people love them because when they're like Adley's caliber, what's your take on, on Adley Rushman as he becomes a professional ball player and his future in fantasy baseball? Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's
2: a, if that's a hot take, but, um, you know, there's power. He's an elite defender. So there's, there's no question he's going to stick a catcher. I understand what you're saying about, um, you know, the increased injury risk that comes with catchers and they don't play every day. But that wouldn't bother me with this guy. He's just really talented. Um, you know, got. I think his numbers were a little bit inflated because Oregon State didn't have much around him, and so uh, teams just didn't pitch him at all. They were intentionally walking him like crazy. Um, even in the NCAA tournament got intentionally walked, the bases loaded, which I'm not sure that was the right play, but I think that goes to show you like how much better he was than everybody else in that lineup. Um, But it's, you know, the tools are legit. He can hit There's power. He's a slam dunk catcher. uh, He's going to move quickly. You know, they rave about the makeup, the work ethic, everything. Um, So it's, you know, there's no real flaws with this guy. And uh, I think he could be up,
1: you know, early 2021, Oh, nice. Just a couple of years from now coming up there. Because, yeah, all they really have in the way is San Cisco. They got Pedro Severino there right now. So, you know, Francisco Cisco. There's, there's there's, always been hope there. It just hasn't panned out. So you get an yeah. Adley Rushman in play. Uh, the easy, I guess, could be lazy, could be the solid comp. I don't know. But just me being an idiot, when I see the, the clips of him when he he's drafted, I see the switch hitting catcher. First thing that pops into my brain is when I saw Matt Weeders at Georgia Tech. And he went early in drafts. Do we see any similarities there, or is this a completely different guy?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, so I wasn't following as much when Weeters was in college, so I don't know what he looked like necessarily in college. But I think, um, relative to the Weeters of the last couple of years, um, Rutschman's a better defensive player. Um, you know, I think he's he's probably a, a better hitter as well, comparable power. So it's, you know, I understand the inclination to compare him to Weeters because they're both you know large switch and catchers who started their careers with the Orioles. But I just think Rutschman's better um, than Weeters kind of ever was I like it
1: I like it a lot um let's go on to the second pick in the draft the Royals we Had a pretty good draft last year as a rebuild and they pick up Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, out of Texas a high school kid out of Texas um you know coming into this season he many said he could have been the number one pick still had a pretty good year you know he plays shortstop He pitched a little in high school I saw the clips on him on uh, MLB Network for a while good pick by the Royals or was this kind of like what's what's your take on Bobby Witt? As he's only, you know, high school, he's born in the year 2000, for crying out loud. So, um, <laughs> God, this is getting worse and worse every year. Um, so, I, what are your thoughts on him? How soon do we see him in the bigs?
2: Yeah, uh, he's going to be kind of a slow burner, I think, because there's some questions about the hit tool. I haven't seen Wit personally. Um, I didn't get to cover any of the, the high school guys in Texas because I'm in uh, Boston. But I know one of our other guys at Prospects Live, uh, Jason Panini, has seen Witt at some of the high school showcases, loved him. He's a no doubt shortstop with, you know, huge power. Um, And his, his, you know, his performance was really good for whatever that's worth. Um, Not a ton against kind of bad high school pitching. Um, You know, there are some questions about the the lever length and the bat path. So, you know, I think it'll be, he'll have some strikeout, high strikeout totals, um, especially early on in the minors that might scare people initially, but, um, you know, people, again, another guy who they, they rave about the work ethic, the makeup. Um, so I wouldn't be, you know, scared off if you take Bobby Witt in a first year player draft and then you look next year and, you know, he's got a 28% strikeout rate in a ball and then you're like, you know, starting to panic. Don't worry about it. Um, that's kind of to be expected, um, you know, that there's going to be some issues with contact because it's a power hitting short shortstop.
1: Well, that's kind of the things we saw. And I'm going to sound like an idiot right now because I just completely blanked on his name. but the. The high school kid the Phillies took a couple of years ago. He started out really, really slow, and then the last like year, year and a half, he's really got it going. So you got to imagine there's a pretty good transition. As good as you are from going from high school to even uh, low levels of the minor leagues, but um, yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting. I loved what I saw just on clips and Panini's. A, if Panini's good with him. I'm good with him because Panini's a a good one. Yeah. He he knows what he's doing. So I got no <laughs> no qualms about that at all. Uh, let's go to the number three pick overall. This was a fun one because I actually got to see him early this year. He was playing Cal Poly down in San Luis Obispo. Um, Andrew Vaughn went third overall to the Chicago White Sox. There's a lot of things about him. He's not big. Like from For me, when I watched him, he reminded me a lot of Josh Donaldson. just his build and everything, his stance at the plate. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's played first base in college. There's rumors he'll have to play third base or or first, potentially. They might go to the outfield, but he knows that's probably a bad idea. The bottom line, the dude can rake. Uh, what's your takes on Andrew Vaughn? Because this might be a guy we see sooner than later. Yeah, you said it. He rakes. Um, you know, I don't – I had heard some rumors that about
2: teams giving him a shot at third. I imagine he'll just move quickly as a first baseman. Um, you know, Abreu, I think, is up at the end of this year anyways. So uh, they'll have room. And you're right, Like, like you saw it. Vaughn can really hit, you know, he's got everything that you want in an offensive player. There's back control. There's huge power, you know, fantastic play discipline. Um, You know, the knock on him was that he's a right-handed hitting, you know, shorter right-handed hitting first baseman, which is kind of a weird profile. You don't see those guys too often, but if you were going to pick, you know, an offensive prospect and mold one, like this would be the guy um, I think we were actually just kind of talking about this in one of our like internal prospects live discussions um, a couple of days ago about where Vaughn stacks up just in terms of that only against like all of the other prospects in baseball. Now that, you know, not counting the guys, Vlad and Eloy who are already in the majors. And I think we settled on second, like behind Wander Franco. Um, now, obviously as a first baseman, like he's not, I'm not saying he's the number two prospect in baseball because you have to take into account that, He's at a you know bad defensive position, and probably not going to be able to move up the defensive spectrum as a pro. Uh, but it was like close for us between Vaughn and Alex Kirillov, like that.
1: Only he's he's that good. So that's impressive. That's really impressive because you know before the draft started, you you mentioned names like Wander Franco and Alex Kirillov and some of those other guys, and that was the upper echelon of the like offensive dynasty targets. That was it right there. And so you, you throw Andrew Vaughn, who just got drafted, just finished playing college baseball, into that mix. That says a lot about the hit tool from guys that really know what they're talking about. So that's that's good to hear. I have a feeling we get towards the end of this and kind of look at guys to draft and first year player drafts. I have a feeling you might mention his name pretty early in those drafts. But uh, let's go. To the, let's go to the fourth pick overall, JJ Bleday, out of Vanderbilt, outfielder out of Vanderbilt, goes to the Miami Marlins, a team that uh, they're pesky right now. They're scoring runs out of nowhere. <laughs> but they can definitely they can definitely use some offense. Um, this might be one of the older picks. He's born in '97, so that makes me feel a little better. But well, what's your take on this? Vandy always puts out some good good baseball product out there.
2: Yeah, Bladde was a guy who, uh, for a while, was had you know good hit tool, really good plate discipline, but wasn't really tapping into a ton of power. And then all of a sudden, he just went off this year. Uh, you know, he entered the years on the first round radar, so it's not like he was a complete pop up. Um, but I think he had 27 home runs in the SEC, and it was like nobody else was within eight or nine of them. Um, and, you know, he's he's an outfielder who should be fine. You know, he's going to stick in the outfield. He's not a center fielder. Uh, so from a, a real-life perspective, the Marlins are getting a corner guy, but from a fantasy perspective, like, you're getting an outfielder, um, and there's not really any risk that he's going to have to move to first base or anything. Um, and, you know, I think it's just above-average hit tool, above-average power, above-average plate discipline. Like, I don't know that... There's not, like, a a light tower offensive tool. You know, he's not going to be hitting, you know, these crazy moon shots that you would see from a guy like Eloy or anything. But uh, he's a polished college bat who, um, you know, not as good as Vaughn or anything like that, but should move quickly in his own ring.
1: Um, before we get to the next guy, because basically your, your top four picks, you had three college guys, a high school kid, your fifth pick's another high school kid, your sixth pick's a high school kid. So basically it's 50-50 in the first six picks. You know as as a guy that's scouting a guy that's you know looking maybe from a fantasy angle also I know it's not you know prospect live does both but when you when you're looking at it and, and you're entering in this kind of look evaluating the draft class, obviously you would think a college player is going to get there sooner but do you still find yourself looking at high school kids and going know what i I like these guys ahead of you know these college guys even though they're going to take longer to get there if that made sense it sounded really jumbled but <laughs> Does them having, like, coming out of high school, does that hinder them at all to you?
2: Yeah, so I get what you're saying. Um, I'm doubt, personally, like, I'm more of our our college baseball um, coverage guy at at PL, so I'm kind of biased askew towards the college guys because of the guys that I'm more familiar with personally. But, no, I, I don't think that, you know, you bake into that, the risk of, you know, high school guys are a little bit further away and they're not facing as good a competition, so... You know, it's tougher to get a a feel for whether Bobby Witt can hit than it is for Blade because we've seen Blade hit, you know, in the best conference of college baseball and against first rounders all the time. And so there's definitely more risk, um, almost sort of uniformly with high school guys that you have to you have to factor in. But no, I, I wouldn't say that like my top fifteen players on the board would be all college guys or something like that just because of that. Um, you know, because if you get a guy like Witt where it's you know Huge power, a chance to play shortstop, plate discipline. Um, like most of the time, those guys don't end up in college. Players that talented because they get drafted high out of high school, True. and True. so a lot of times, the the high school guys, the ones um, sort of with the higher ceilings. And I think we see that, you know, even with uh, just look around at the guys that are killing it in the big leagues right now, like Trout and Bellinger and Yelich, like those are those are high school guys, um, and so I think. A lot of times, it's those guys are more high risk, high ceiling, uh, and so it it depends on your, you know, personal risk tolerance. But I wouldn't, you know, write off all high school players because they're eighteen, not twenty
1: one. Okay, yeah, I, I just wanted to get your opinion because when we we can we'll get into it when we talk about redrafts and everything. But some people like to you know kind of get their prospects because they're not ready to win yet, but they don't want to trust the the high school guy because it takes too long type thing. So there's all kinds of dynamics to it. It gets crazy. But um, fifth pick overall to the Detroit Tigers, outfielder out of Higgerty High School in Florida, Riley Green. What's your takes on him? Yeah, this is another guy that
2: JP Jason Panini loved. Um, probably going to be a left fielder, which means that he's really going to have to hit. But um, Jason didn't think that there was any you know question that he would do that. Uh, he's a big kid, you know, so he's got some power projection. Again, not a guy that I've seen personally, so I can't. Um, Speak to necessarily how quickly he'll move, but um, Jason, like I said, was really big. Thought that there was a chance for hit power, so that he would be uh, looked like a a slam dunk
1: everyday left fielder to him. So nice, nice Uh, six pick overall was another shortstop out of Blessed Trinity High School in Georgia to the Padres, who have a slew of talented young infielders. But they add on more in CJ Abrams. Uh, What's your uh, thoughts on Abrams? Yeah, he can really run. Um
2: and there's he can run, he can hit. I think the divide on Abrams is how much power there's going to be. He's kind of a, a slighter build guy. Um and so it'll be interesting to see uh some people are skeptical of whether he'll stick at shortstop as well, but I think he'll get every chance in the minor leagues to to figure that out. He's um kind of a higher risk. <clears throat> Sorry. He's kind of a higher risk guy. Um then I think even Wit, because Wit at least has, you know, the plus defense and the the huge power to fall back on, um, and so Abrams is one of those guys that it's going to be really boom or bust I think because especially from a fantasy perspective because you could be looking at a guy who steals thirty bases and hits two two ninety or something if you if you really like him and want to project heavily on the tools but um, you know at the same time you could also be looking at a guy who ends up. As an outfielder with, you know, ten to twelve home running
1: year power, which just isn't really moving the needle. Yeah, that's not gonna cut it at all. Let's go to the seventh pick. First pitcher off the board. You don't see that every day where the first six picks don't involve a pitcher. That seems to be a popular target in drafts. But from what I saw on Twitter during draft night, people were very excited that the Reds snagged Nick Lodello out of TCU, left handed pitcher here. Yeah. Were, were was all the excitement? Just did the the, the Reds get a steal here?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. So at Prospects Live, I think we're the we're the low ones on Lodolo. Um You know, he's polished. He's got uh, low nineties fastball. You know, eighty nine to ninety two, something like that. Good slider, really good slider. Um, but then there's questions about the changeup. You know, plus command. So he's gonna he's gonna move quickly. Um, was a first-rounder even out of high school, I think, by the Pirates. So he's got a long track record of, of pedigree. I'm just not sure how much upside there is with Lodolo. I think he's more of a
1: you know, quick-moving three or four than any sort of future ace. Okay. Let's go back to the position players. Third base, eighth pick overall, Josh Jung out of Texas Tech. Uh, the second of three straight draft picks out of the schools in Texas. Uh the Rangers, they you know, Beltra's gone, third base is kind of open over there. Is Josh Young a good fit for them? Yeah, I love Josh Young. Uh he's playing shortstop
2: at Texas Tech right now. He's not gonna stick at shortstop. He's I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he's a he's a big guy. Um and so it's it's even kind of a weird build for a third baseman. Um but you know, there's there's a lot of raw power there. He's not if you just looked at his college numbers, you wouldn't um picture him as being a power hitter because I think he was in the single digits in homers this year, but a lot of that is just uh, the sort of swing path that he has currently is really flat, um, geared towards sort of a, a line drive approach, but I think he's got the plate discipline, the back control that, um, if the Rangers wanted to make some sort of swing change and get him to elevate and hit, you know, with a little bit more loft in the swing, I think he could pull that off. He'd be a guy that I would bet on. So I'm very big on Josh Young. I thought it was good value at eight. Um, Maybe I'm in the minority there because I know that there are some other people who thought that he was maybe better suited, you know, in the 15 to 20 range. Um, but I think he sticks at third um, and hits, you know, with average-ish power. Uh, so I'm I'm all in, and I think he can move, another guy who can move pretty quickly. And like you said, Texas uh, definitely could use some help at third base.
1: Yeah, as I was going to ask you, and you nailed it. Uh, between the, the help at third base, just their overall system kind of weak. So yep. I, I was thinking, as long as you know, Young comes up and hits, it's one of those guys. I'm not saying next year, but maybe the the next year, first thing in 21, you could I imagine you could see him making a little bit of an impact. So that'd be quite interesting. Uh, ninth pick was our second catcher off the board, Shane Lang. I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> Langoliers out of yep, uh, ba- out it. of oh, there we go, out of Baylor. Uh, two catchers in the top nine. That's uh, quite interesting. I guess it shows a that teams appreciate uh that talent behind the behind the dish but uh, what's your take on the second catcher coming off the board
2: yeah Langley is a a defense first kind of guy so I'm not sure that he's going to be you know I don't think he'll be taking ninth and first year player drafts or anything um on average but there's there's power there too so it's not he's not going to be you know Austin Hedges or something like that um I'm just not sure you know that he's going to be an impact, like middle of the order hitter. He's probably more of a, a seven or eight hitter who moves, you know, relatively quickly because of the glove. Um, I will say that he, he broke his hand or a bone in his hand like in March. And so there was some belief that he, you know, when he came back would not hit for as much power because hand and wrist injuries can do that sometimes. And he didn't miss a beat. So, um, you know, maybe we're underestimating what's in there, but, for me, it seems like Langoliers is you know more of a, a glove-first guy who's like a slam-dunk big leaguer, um, going to be a starting catcher. I'm just not sure that it's an impact fantasy play.
1: Gotcha. All right, we'll wrap up the top ten here with my San Francisco Giants, taking out for Hunter Bishop out of Arizona State. Give me some good news here, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Bishop's got crazy tools. Uh, for a college guy to get to
2: ten, um, you know, he's got – Huge power, huge speed. Um, Another guy that Jason Panini has seen because he's in Arizona. Panini loves him. um, Thinks that there's a chance that he sticks in center field. Uh, He's going to need to work. You know, he's definitely athletic enough to play center field. Uh, His instincts, his reads out there are not the best. And so there's some chance he ends up in a corner. Um, But, you know, the the tools, he's the brother of Seattle's Braden Bishop. I was wondering Um, about that. And he's... They're very, very different players. Like Braden, they can both run, but Braden's more of a, you know, a glove first light bat kind of guy and Hunter's got huge power. So it's, I wouldn't, you know, don't like let the, you know, sibling relation, like tamp you down on Hunter Bishop.
1: Yeah. All, I think the the... Issue... Sorry, God. No, no, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think, I think the issue with Bishop is there's some questions about, uh, well, there's a couple of things. There's some questions about the hit tool. Uh, He strikes out quite a bit. I don't think it's necessarily a a pitch recognition thing so much as just his swing path is a little bit weird sometimes. Um, And then there's not a huge track record of performance. Like, if you look at his numbers, he had an elite junior season but didn't do a whole lot in his first couple years um, at Arizona State. And then most of his, you know, statistical damage was done at the beginning of the year when ASU was facing these kind of you know, low level D1 schools that were pitching guys, you know, throwing in the mid 80s or something like that. And in conference play, I think Bishop was only like the Sun Devils' fourth or fifth best hitter. And so I'm a little bit worried. Like, there's definitely some risk here. He's not going to be a guy, you know, he's not a polished college bat the way that you would think of him. Um, but
1: there's like superstar level power speed in there that you can dream on. Nice. So that's good to hear because two things the Giants need is power. <laughs> uh, and and anybody that with a pulse that can consistently hit in the outfield. So that's Runs, uh, yeah. That, yeah. That's two things I'm a big fan of. When I when I saw they picked them, I'm like, oh my goodness, we didn't take like a high school kid or a pitcher, or like, we actually took a guy that, if things work out well, might move through the system fast. What a concept. So um, <laughs> I was actually, and obviously, I don't know a lot of these players, and I don't want to be one of those talking heads that that, that does know a lot. But what I've read, you know, I'll take my Homer hat on for a few seconds. The Giants, one thing they did this year, unlike other years with their new GM, a lot of college kids and a lot of position college kids, which I like to see because a lot of those position players that we have now that came through the system are getting old. So that uh, was at least a good thing to say. They might not all hit, but it was worth a shot. So I kind of like it. Um, yeah. Wrapping up the first round here, we won't go position by position. We'll be here all night long. <laughs> but um, what were are there, are there any other players, maybe one or two, three, that really stood out to you where they went to a a team that, you know, they can make a nice impact for. Yeah. So again,
2: I'm, I'm going to skew kind of college heavy there because that's more my um, area of expertise, but um, I love George Kirby uh, who went 20th to Seattle. Uh, He's a right-handed pitcher from Elon. And for me, he was the best pitcher college pitcher on the board. Um, I had him, you know, above Ladolo. I know I was in the minority at prospects live. There were, uh, a lot of us who like Alec like Manoa, who went 11th to West Virginia, uh, so it's my opinion is definitely not unanimous. But I thought Kirby was a steal at 20. Um, doesn't have the the stuff of Manoa, who's like a huge dude with a you know 70 fastball and 65 slider. Um, but Kirby's a guy who throws a ton of strikes. You know, he's like 92 to 95, um, above average slider. You know, average to above average changeup had the nation's highest strikeout-to-walk ratio this year uh, in D1. He had, like, 107 strikeouts against six walks or something like that. Um, And so he's a guy where I just don't see any flaws there, even if he's not going to be an ace. Um, He's, like, a good bet for me to be a solid, like, number two or three starter. Uh, So I was surprised to see that he fell to 20th and liked Seattle scooping him up there when they did. Uh, Logan Davidson, who went... Was it 29th uh, to Oakland, something like that, ba- near the back end of the first yeah, round. Nice. Yeah, twenty uh, Yeah. Okay. He's a power hitting shortstop from Clemson. Um, I saw him in person when he was up, you know, at Boston College in like March, and he was really good when he was there. Um, I saw him with Ralph Lipschitz, who's another one of our our uh, prospects, live people, and I like him a little bit more than Ralph did. I think. Mostly because Ralph had a look at Davidson last year on the Cape Cod League uh, when Davidson was just horrible on the Cape, uh, striking out like crazy, didn't hit with wood bats at all. And so that's like a real concern that he can't hit with wood. And so Ralph, I think, kind of had that as his sort of in the back of his mind. Uh, I didn't have that sort of bad history with Davidson, so maybe I'm too high on him. But I saw a guy, there's power, there's speed, there's a cannon for an arm. Uh, And his play discipline is really good, too. Like, his strikeout numbers aren't because of issues with his pitch recognition. It's just he's a tall guy with really long arms that can, you know, struggle to get the bat into the zone sometimes. Um, But I think, you know, he's a a high-risk, high-reward play that the A's have kind of done that the last couple years. Um, And I think Davidson's probably my favorite of the the guys that they've taken shots at over the last couple years. Um, That was – about it for me. I don't know if you had anyone else you wanted to.
1: Yeah, at, at least they didn't uh, go after another kid that's gonna go play football, so that's good. That, <laughs> no, that was, yeah, Davidson's
2: fully on baseball, so
1: yeah, that's good. At least they didn't screw that one up this time. But, um, you know, those guys might have been followers. According to you out, it doesn't have to be just the first round, it could be the whole draft. It depends on how far you've, you've dug in already. I'm assuming you've got some idea, but uh, were there any big time followers that just kind of surprised you, and some teams might have got a steal on or, or anything like that? Guys who fell, you mean? Uh, yeah, guys who fell in the draft, yeah.
2: Yeah, so again, not a guy that I've seen personally. So this is just sort of, you know, I can't give any sort of like firsthand report and I don't want to just regurgitate what other people write, But I know there are people who thought that Matt Allen, who was a high school pitcher from Florida, uh, was the best high school arm in the draft. Um, and he fell, you know, mostly for signability reasons. It seemed like, you know, people thought that he had a, a kind of outrageous, not outrageous, but a high ask that no team was willing to meet and that he was going to end up um going to the University of Florida. And then kind of out of the blue, the Mets took him in the third round uh pick 89th. Uh that pick only has a slot value of six hundred and sixty-eight, thousand. Allen's gonna get way, way more than that. Um, you know, in the multi-million dollar range. But clearly the Mets wouldn't have taken him in the third round if they didn't think that they were gonna sign him. Uh so it looks like the Mets are going to get a guy who, you know, people have seen and think if not the number one um, high school pitcher in the class is like in the top two or three, like he's squarely in that conversation. And the Mets got him at pick 89,
1: which is, you know, outrageous value. That is outstanding value. Um, overall, looking at these 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 draft picks and everything, are there any teams as a whole that stood out to you that have done pretty well from your early analysis?
2: Yeah, I liked what Seattle did. Um, They went, you know, it's like, it's kind of weird because I said early on that this draft is like not particularly strong for college pitching. And Seattle went like with all college pitching, and that's the one that I'm highlighting uh, positively. But, um, you know, I think, especially in the day one, they took three college pitchers, Kirby at 20, who I already talked about, you know, love, didn't think should have fallen to 20. But they also got Brandon Williamson from TCU on uh, the second round, and then Isaiah Campbell uh, from Arkansas on the third round. And like all three of those guys, none of them is going to be, you know, would project as any sort of future ace. But all three of those guys, you know, are polished um, at high level performance at um, good schools, especially the latter two. Elon's a good school too, but it's a, it's a mid major dominance. You can maybe write off some of Kirby's numbers a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, Williamson and Campbell are guys where, especially Campbell, uh, is into the mid-90s, shows you a couple of good secondaries, figured out how to throw strikes this year under the tutelage of a new pitching coach. Arkansas has a really good pitching program. Um, generally, you know, we saw the Twins hire Wes Johnson as their pitching coach, like directly from Arkansas this year. Um, and then they replaced him with Matt Hobbs, who I talked to Hobbs a couple weeks ago, actually, and like that guy is also going to be. Uh, you know, if not an MLB pitching coach, like a D1 head coach soon enough, um, you know, he knows his stuff. And he just raved about Isaiah Campbell, the strides that he's made um, in terms of sequencing, in terms of spotting his off-speed stuff this year. So I think Seattle got three guys who could legitimately, you know, all be in a big league starting rotation, you know, two or three years down the road. And so it's not necessarily the, the flashiest draft, but for picking at pick 20, uh, I think it's good value, and it kind of fits, you know, the sort of timeline that they've had as well, where they took a little bit of a, a step back, you know, this year and next year, sort of aiming for that twenty twenty one. They didn't do the full teardown, but they moved a lot of their expiring assets for guys like JP Crawford, who are in the high minors, shed long things like that, right on the fringes of, of the major leagues. And so, right as those position players, you know, that they they like should be hitting their strides. Um, they can sort of complement them with this influx
1: of college pitching. So Seattle was
2: my kind of sleeper team of this year's draft. I like it.
1: I like that a lot. It's a good take there. Um, were there any teams that you feel maybe reached a little too much or kind of made you kind of head scratch? Like, what are they doing right now?
2: Yeah, so the first round went um, pretty much according to plan. Like, there wasn't a ton that was all that surprising. Um, and the Astros at pick 32 took – Corey Lee, who's a catcher from Cal, who uh, wasn't on our top 100, um, wasn't a guy that I think a lot of people expected to go, even necessarily on day one, much less in the first round. Uh, so that was kind of a, a little bit of a head scratcher. But you know, he's a power hitting catcher, so you can see what it is that they liked. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to bury them for that. I think the team that we were, you know, the most skeptical of I guess was Atlanta especially what they did on day one where the Braves they took Langoliers at nine which is fine like I don't mind that pick Um, but then they followed that up with Braden Shoemake at 21 Shoemake's a a Texas A&M infielder who's just kind of a small guy who hits a little bit but there's not any sort of crazy tools there and so he's probably a utility type although his numbers in the SEC were good enough that There's a chance that he's an average regular, but my guess is he's more of a utility type. And they rounded out their day one with Bo Phillip, who's another shortstop, you know, utility type um, from Oregon State, who again is just sort of a a glove first guy, but not so good a glove that like you have to have him in the lineup every day. And so that was kind of a, a low impact class, I think. And I wonder how much of that can sort of be traced back to the international scandal that the Braves had a couple of years ago where the lower levels of their farm are just were kind of stripped bare by a lot of the guys that they lost and the picks that they lost you know with the the whole thing with John Coppolella where he ended up getting banned for life because of some things that he did in the international market that uh, clearly were not to uh, not in MLB's favor um and so i wonder if they just need like higher floor um lower ceiling guys who they can count on to be to get to the big leagues, even if they're not going to be impact guys, just because they don't have a ton of guys in the low levels right now who even necessarily project as utility types. And so I wonder if they skewed for a sort of perceived certainty kind of out of necessity to replenish the system a little bit. Um, So I I would say that the Braves were kind of our, you know, I don't want to call it a bad draft draft, I don't think that anybody had a bad draft per se. It's, you know, Like I said, most of the first round kind of went uh, according to plan. And then once you get past the first round, like a lot of it, it just, just depends on your preferences. And most of those guys, if you look at like recaps of what old drafts have, a lot of times once you get past the first round, like they're all kind of dart throws. So if you really like a guy, you can take him at 50, even if he's not. You know, on a, a public ranking, like top 150, if you really like him and take them at 50, it's not that bad. Um, you know, so like I said, I think Atlanta's prep of the team where we were maybe most underwhelmed, even if it wasn't a horrible
1: draft. That's an interesting point you brought up with the uh, the scandal on the international signs. They might be doing something like that, because at first I look at them getting two shortstops and it's like, OK, you got Dancy Swanson. I know he hasn't been great, but he's actually playing really well this year and people forget yeah. the pedigree the pedigree's there. Maybe it just took him a little longer to get it figured out. He's still young. You just gave Ozzy Albies all kinds of money. Uh, it's just like, where where are these guys going to go? But, right. like you said, it gives you depth. Maybe, you know, as they keep contending and their youth gets better, they need to flip a few prospects to get some talent. These all play out in the long, the grand scheme. That's why it's, it's a lot different than your basketballs and footballs of the world. So there's For more sure. to it, like you said, than just, you know, hey, we're drafting guys that need to play tomorrow. Like there's, there's a whole different scheme of things that we don't know about because we're not that, – that's out of my pay grade. So, um yeah, it makes it very, very interesting. Um These can kind of be one and the same, but we'll start with this. When you when you look at the draft so far – and obviously they might not all be first-round picks, but you kind of mentioned Andrew Vaughn and a couple others. Who do you think – like give me like three or four guys you see making the, the earliest – might not be the most impactful guys, but the earliest like impacts in the bigs. Bookmovers. um. Yeah, so I haven't seen TJ Uh
2: He was a, a pitcher at the University of Missouri. I haven't seen him personally. Um, but I know that there were some other people at Prospects Live uh, who have. You know, Tom Musa, who's one of our, our college guys, really likes Um And I, my understanding of it is that he's a slider-heavy guy who's probably best suited for the bullpen, um, but is pretty polished, throws a bunch of strikes. So, uh, And he went to the Yankees at 38, so... Um, you know, if they decide that they need bullpen help, which they don't, but <laughs> if they decide that uh, that they're looking for, you know, another elite bullpen arm, um, maybe Sikkim is that guy. Um, Vaughn, like you mentioned, I think a lot of the quick movers kind of skewed towards the top, and we already sort of covered him. Um, let's see. Uh, Ethan Small, who went 28th uh, to the Brewers, is a pitcher from Mississippi State who was in the top 5 this year in in strikeouts per 9 innings in D1. And like a lot of the guys that are up there are guys from lower level conferences where it's uh, you know they're they're dominating hitters who just aren't all that good. And then Small was doing that in the SEC. And so if you watch Small like without if you just take his stuff in a vacuum, he's not going to blow you away. Uh, he's like in the low 90s another none of his secondary pitches are much more than average uh, but he throws a bunch of strikes and he's he's huge like despite his name he's like a very tall uh, person he's got these limbs kind of coming at you and so I imagine that there's some sort of deception and when you watch him I've never seen him from behind home plate but even just from center field like he just continuously throws fastballs to the top of the zone that guys don't hit even though they're like in the low 90s so I imagine that I haven't seen his trackman readouts, but I imagine that his trackman readouts are, would suggest that his fastball is kind of a high-spin uh, offering, given the you know way that he pitches. And so I wonder if he can just sort of carve up low-level hitters doing sort of the same thing that he did in the SEC, with just fastball after fastball at the top of the zone and continuing this, continuously just going over the top of bats.
1: Well, you know, the Brewers do love their lengthy left-handed fastball pitchers. So there's something to be said about that. And they also like pitchers like uh, Peralta, who just like throw fastball after fastball after fastball. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't think about that. They might just have something there. You might be onto something. Um, Now, on on the flip side, and some of these guys might be there as well, but I know there's some other ones you're going to mention now. And Prospect Live did a great job last year, and I'm darn positive they'll do it again this year. They come out with an extensive like I guess like top 100 or something uh redraft rankings, and it's absolutely outstanding and all you guys get your inputs inputs on it and all that good stuff you know at first glance again a lot of this is still fresh Give me your let's say top five if you got them top five first year player draft rankings coming out of this draft if you got them like you, uh, can, you could you can wing if it if I'll you want have overall players you say. Yeah, if I'm going into a, a redraft dynasty redraft tomorrow, first-year player draft, and this, these guys are the fresh guys out there, who are my top five guys to target? Yeah, you got me on the spot here, so let's see. Uh, so, yeah.
2: Rutschman is number one for me, and then Vaughn okay. is number
1: two. It doesn't have to be in order. It's going to be the
2: five guys. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Rochman, Vaughn, uh, yeah. day, yeah, I'll probably take day. Witt and Abrams, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's the top five. Basically, the top six in this year's class, uh, which ended up being the top six, I think are kind of a tier above everybody else. I mean, I think Retron's probably in his own tier, maybe with Vaughn. Um, But I think there's a big drop-off between Abrams at six and then Lodolo or whoever else you think is the seventh best player in the class. Um, So I think those top six will probably be the top six in most first-year player drafts. I don't know how common that is, um, generally speaking, but I think that's going to kind of bear out this year. But I think Abrams, because of the the speed aspect, which is really tough to find, um, might end up above Riley Green in terms of, uh, you know, for fantasy purposes, even though Green's a bad first guy and Abrams might end up, you know, with this, you know not a ton of power just because speed is just so much tougher to find than power in the modern game.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, most of the time, a lot of the you know I'd say top 10 to 15 draft picks, you know, most of them are going to go pretty early. I remember last year with India yeah. and Madrigal and, and all those guys, Mize and company. It was, they right. might not have gone in the same order they went in when we did our redraft, but they were pretty much the first ones off the board. That's pretty much how it went. Uh, the flashy new toy, everybody wants a piece. It'll be fun to see. It, it's always more fun to see kind of, the order they go in per se than how they go because it just, that becomes personal preference. You know, you have two or three guys. This is how it goes. It gives you a feel like you're actually in the draft type thing. So that part's always fun. Uh, This is nothing to do with me being a Giants fan. Just comes, came to my mind. Uh, Joey Bart was like the top catching prospect drafted last year. He got um, Rushman this year. How do you compare those two? Do you have Rushman over Joey Bart? Yeah, I think
2: Rutschman's better. Um, You know, I think Rutschman's play discipline is a little bit better. I think the defense is a little bit better. Um, You know, I'm not sure about the power. Like, they might be comparable, maybe a slight edge to Rutschman. I don't think that there's anything, you know, where Rutschman necessarily dwarfs Bart. Like, they're both really good, well-rounded players. I just think Rutschman's a tick above Bart in pretty much everything. And so when you look at, you know, the sort of overall package, then Rutschman ends up, like clearly better um, but again it's not they're similar-ish players if you just if Bart were just a little bit better at everything I think then he would be approaching Richmond
1: and then you mentioned his name earlier so I'll just ask you about him Casey Myers he's just destroying the minor leagues this year it's ridiculous what he's doing but he, he he did this in college as well Like it shouldn't be that big of a surprise but it kind of is at the same time to the, to the level he's doing it at there is a chance we might see him this year. It depends if the Tigers want to play that game or not. And they really have no incentive to play the game, sadly, even though I feel with hitters, if you want to play the game, fine. Pitchers only have so many bullets in the gun. So right. you got to figure that out. From what you saw being a college guy before he was drafted last year and what you maybe have seen this year, either between video, reading, whatever, like when you're looking at him in a fantasy angle, what kind of expectations do you have kind of long-term with a guy like Casey Mize? Yeah, I think
2: Mize is an ace. Um, I don't think we'll see him this year, although I agree with you that, you know, the service time games aren't as important with pitchers. You know, I, don't, I mean, I don't love them, generally speaking, but um, I don't think they're as useful uh, for pitchers as they are with position players. But I just think it'll be easy to sort, you know, for the Tigers to sort of talk themselves out of getting Mize up in September, you know, between service time and innings calculations and things like that. Uh, and pushing him back, but there's nothing there's like no flaws with this guy. Um, you know, the splitter is unbelievable. Uh, the velocity's there, and then I think he basically just added uh, was it a slider this year that I haven't seen mys this year, but I heard that he added a slider uh, that you know basically just sort of immediately as soon as he brought it out was like an above average a plus pitch too. And he throws a ton of strikes. And so I just, I don't know what it is that you could nitpick with Mize beyond, you know, the whole like, he's a pitcher, so maybe he'll get injured. But other than that, like, he's done everything that you could possibly ask him
1: to guys. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The, I, I love prospects. I enjoy it. Like I said, I, I don't do all the work like you guys do. I do the regular season long fantasy stuff, but I love the heck out of prospects. I love going to my single A affiliate down the road here. Like I, I prefer that kind of stuff. Absolutely love it. So I love what you guys are doing at prospect live before we wrap this up. Any final takeaways from the draft, any doesn't have to be fantasy related, just any final thoughts that maybe we didn't talk about or uh, that's on your mind about the draft. Uh, yes, yeah, so I guess I'll just touch uh, sort of on the class as a whole.
2: Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a solid class, even with the the below average college coaching. And I think Rutschman's, you know, I don't want to do the whole like best prospect since Bryce Harper hyperbole thing, but I do think he's one of the you know in the top five you know draft prospects that we've seen like of this decade. Um, so you know, it's it might be a little bit top heavy, but I think it's a solid draft. Being you know as our our college guy and also just being kind of a, a baseball nut. I've already sort of turned my attention a little bit towards 2020. Um, I love it. The, the 2020 plus, uh, they all look good, you know, a year out. And then as you start to watch the players, you find like smaller nits to pick as you watch them in more detail. But the 2021 looks really, really good. Um, especially in terms of, you know, college pitching was down this year. I think it's going to be really good next year. And so I, I do wonder if people looked at this draft and were like, oh, you know, we didn't see a a college pitcher until Lodolo at seven. And then we didn't see a high school pitcher. Was it until was Priester, the first one at 18. So, and then conclude that, you know, the whole, like, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect type thing. But I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think, you know, if you look towards next year, there's going to be a couple pitchers who are in the running, you know, again, uh, especially from the SEC of being guys who might go one, one. So I don't think this is, necessarily a reflection of teams devaluing pitching so much as it was just kind of a, a reflection of the talent level. But in terms of 2020, there's, you know, Emerson Hancock is a pitcher from Georgia. He's touching the high 90s. Uh, Cole Wilcox is another pitcher from Georgia who's like touched a hundred out of the bullpen, um, but he's not a reliever. Like he's going to start for them next year. They just had a, a loaded pitching staff. Spencer Torkelson is a first baseman uh, only at Arizona state, but It's kind of interesting, you know, given what Vaughn did, like Torgelson's numbers were as good as Vaughn's, maybe even better. Um, And he probably has a little bit more power, although he doesn't, he's not quite as polished a hitter as Vaughn is, but it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. And I think you're going to end up with a sort of Torgelson versus Vaughn conversations the same way that you hear the, like you did with the Rutschman versus Bart, how do they compare? Um, I tend to think that Vaughn's a little bit better, but we'll see um, over the year, you know, where they're. Torgelson kind of closes that gap, uh, so it'll be it'll be an exciting one, especially on the college side. So, looking forward to that one.
1: Well, good. I'm looking forward to seeing your coverage on that because, like I said, it's fun to watch all these college kids. The more coverage we get on TV, uh, going to see them live, and then you guys with the work you're putting out, we actually get a feel for them, unlike the past where it's kind of like, okay, they got this guy that people say are good, but I have no idea. I, I have no regulation how to, to know if they're good. So, it's awesome stuff. Before we go. Why don't everybody know where they can find you and what you're working on over there at Prospect Live?
2: Yeah, so uh well obviously you can find me at Prospects Live. Um and then I'm at on Twitter. What the hell am I at? AF Franco ten, right?
1: AF <laughs> uh, Franco ten, yep.
2: Yeah. Um, I do, like I said, mostly <clears throat> mostly college stuff uh with Tom Musa over at Prospects Live, but um, you know we're gonna be working on post-draft coverage, like you said. Not entirely sure what it is that we're going to do yet, but we're definitely going to be running out a bunch of, you know, sort of comprehensive post draft coverage, Um, you know, and then you'll find me tweeting about the college world series and super regionals, which are coming up this weekend. So uh, yeah, you can definitely find me if you're interested in college baseball, because that's where I tend to skew Um, that and the draft are more so than, than minor league stuff,
1: but I love it. I love it, Anthony. This was uh, a fun getting to know you, fun getting to chat with you, super knowledgeable stuff. And as a fan of uh, what you guys are doing, it's great to finally sit down and chat with you. So go check him out on Twitter at AFFranco10 and go check out all the work over there at Prospects Live with Anthony and all the other great contributors over there. But this was Bench with Bubba, episode 177, recapping the MLB draft with Anthony Franco of Prospects Live. Catch you guys later.